Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Thank you. Well, what an honor to be here. Amen. Happy Easter. And a great place to be for church on Sunday morning, especially Easter Sunday morning. And uh, Pastor Riddell, thank you. And I've been praying for you. And I hope you as a church family pray for your pastor. And uh, God's, got, God's using him in a great way here, no doubt about it. It's been a joy to be in God's house today. And uh, I'm excited about what God's already done. Looking forward to what God has for us this hour. And uh, if you're back for a double dose, if it's not the exact same, forgive me. That's just my... Tennessee shallow brain. I am from Tennessee. I do have my shoes on today though. And uh, it's not common for us, but I've got them on right now. And, and uh, I'm glad to be here. And I uh, got to fly in yesterday. I'll fly back out today and got to stay at the Fenton's house. Thank you all so much for your hospitality. And uh, it's just a, just a joy to be here. And uh, Brother Richard and I are good friends and thank God for him as well. And uh, anyway, we're, we're, my wife, my wife and I, we've been married 27 years, actually 27 years, four months and four days. Well, three days, about 20, 22 hours, almost. Uh, we got married January the 1st, 1994, start the new year off with a bang. And uh, I did it because I didn't ever want to forget my anniversary. And uh, can't, it's hard to forget January the 1st. And uh, the year sometimes messes me up. But we've been married 27 years, having the time of my life. My wife was 12. I told him last hour, my wife was 12 when we got married. We, I am from Tennessee, so it's legal there. And... Uh, some of you 12-year-olds in the room, you're thinking, oh, I can get married. Wow, that's great. I was just kidding. She wasn't. She was just a little bit older than that. But uh, we've been married that long and have two daughters. My oldest daughter's name is Angel. She is teaching in a Christian school down in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Teaches uh, uh, third grade. I almost said fourth grade. Teaches third grade down there, having the time of her life. She's loving it. And uh, she is single. I am taking applications. And uh, so if you're on the market looking for a wife. I've, I've got a daughter looking for a husband. So you see me later. I have an application I can have you fill out. Well, it depends on how much money you have. It's really what it boils down to. And, uh, and then, uh, then my youngest daughter, she is, uh, she's 20. She is teaching, or not teaching, she's in, in school, nursing school, sophomore year of nursing training at Pensacola Christian College and uh, having the time of her life. And, and I got two daughters and they are polar opposites. Some of you have parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, they are as opposite as night and day. And my oldest daughter, she is, she is, uh, she does not know a stranger. Everybody is her friend. You could, you could walk up to her and, and just slam her, cut her down. And she'd look at you and say, oh, thank you. Nice to see you too. I mean, that's just her. She knows no strangers. She is blonde and the blonde goes all the way in. I mean, it is complete. she could hide her own Easter eggs. She really could. And uh, just as sweet as sweet can be. 
And uh, my, my youngest daughter is, is she, not just the opposite. It sounds terrible because she's sweet as well, just sweet in a different way. And uh, she, she's more athletic. She wants to, you know, if she's out on the basketball court and someone throws an elbow at her, she's throwing the elbow right back. And uh, it's war time for her. Uh, it's, it's funny, my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter, you could look at her, Angel, you could look at her when she was in trouble, you could just look at her and she'd start crying. And uh, my youngest daughter, Gabby is her name, Gabrielle, we call her Gabby. You could look at her and give her that same look you give Angel, and she'd give that same look right back at you. You know, you're like, all right, it's on now, you know, as a, as a dad. I, I'm, I'm loving life. I enjoy, I enjoy this part. Some of you, you're there now, you know what I'm talking about. I enjoy the empty nest. I really do. My daughters are gone. And uh, I don't have to, I can go in and eat a bowl of cereal at midnight, and I don't have to explain what I'm doing. Or get a big bowl of ice cream heaping over, not just some little dish, I mean a big bowl of ice cream, and, and I don't have to justify that to my daughters, it's great. And I've been told many times that having grandchildren's better than children, and uh, some of you may be able to testify to that. I, I, I don't know that part yet, but I can't wait to find out, looking forward to it. I wish my wife could be here, she's not able to be here with me this weekend, but uh, uh, she, she's the love of my life, I wouldn't trade her for anything, and, and, but it's a joy to be here. And uh, today we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. I I'm thankful you took the time to be in church today. I know it, it, it takes effort. And uh, so thank you for being in church. I want to encourage you, come back next Sunday. Hear the real preaching next Sunday. And uh, your pastor will be back up here, Lord willing, next Sunday. And I and, uh, thank God for him and for his testimony. Matthew chapter number 28 in the Word of God today. And uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture and then uh, into a bunch of other passages too. Keep your Bible handy there. Matthew chapter 28. It is Resurrection Sunday. We serve a risen Savior. I, I know you know that. You're in church. You've heard that. But uh, we serve a risen Savior. We don't serve a, 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 a God who, who died and is still in the grave. What sets Christianity apart from other religions in our nation today, in our world today, is this. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God incarnate, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. He's no longer in the grave. By his own will, by his own power, he came up out of that grave. He is God. That's what separates him from, from uh, Buddha, from Muhammad, from, from Confucius, any other religion that's been out there. Jesus Christ is a living Savior. No longer in the grave. I thank God for that. You know why? Because we live in, we live in a crazy world, don't we? We can't, I don't know what I can say and can't say, so I'm just going to go ahead. We, we live in a world we can't figure out what bathrooms you're supposed to use. We can't figure out whether a guy's supposed to marry a girl or whatever. I can just tell you this. Our only source of truth is the Word of God. The Word of God is our source of truth. So if there's questions about something, we turn to the Word of God. Uh, and, and by the way, it's okay to ask questions, but go to the right place to find the answers. Uh, our education isn't necessarily the right place. Our finances are not the right place. Our, our intellect, our will, that's not the right place. The answer to our questions is this book right here. The only source for true answers is the Word of God. I was, I was giving a, a guy a ride uh, in my truck. Being from Tennessee, you got to have a truck. And uh, tobacco stains on both doors because my wife chews too. And I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't chew. She does. If she were here right now, she, she would have just told me to sit down and be quiet. 
I, I drive that pickup truck and I, was, I was picked up a guy and gave him a ride. He was going to a football game uh, just outside of Nashville. I'm from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Nashville area. And uh, I was giving a guy a ride to a football game. This was back last season, the high school football season. And, and uh, he was in my truck and, and, and we were talking on the way to the game. And while we were talking, he, he, he found out that I'd been a youth pastor. He didn't know that and been a youth pastor. And, and, and he was just 21. He said, he started crying. Literally, a 21-year-old man in my truck crying. And he said this. He said, I've got some questions. He said, is it okay to ask God why sometimes? And he kept going in the conversation. He was telling me some of the circumstances he was facing in life and how things had gone so sour in his life. Just 21 years old and, and feeling the struggle and the pain of life. And, and he said, is it okay? Just crying. Is it okay to ask God why? God, why did you do this? God, why is this happening? Why, why did my parents get a divorce? Why, why is my dad unemployed? Why, why am I facing the struggles in life? Why did I get this health report? God, why? And I had the privilege that night of opening up a Bible and first of all answering him and saying, yes. You, it was Jesus who in the Garden of Gethsemane said, said God, let this cup pass from me. God, I, I don't know why. I think God, Jesus knew why. But God, I don't know that I like this. He knew what he was going to be going through in the next few hours and how he was going to be hanging on that cross and suffering and bleeding and dying. And yet he said this, not my will, but thy will be done. And I was able to tell this young man that Jesus Christ has a plan. He has a purpose for every circumstance of life that we face. By the way, I believe that. I don't know if you heard what I just said. Jesus Christ has a plan and a purpose for every circumstance of my life, of your life. Nothing's caught him by surprise. Uh, Jesus Christ knows. And I was able to take the word of God that night. This young man sitting in my truck, I was able to take the word of God and show him from the word of God how Jesus Christ loves him, how Jesus Christ died for him, was buried and rose again. And that night, sitting in my pickup truck, this young 21-year-old man bowed his head and trusted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. Hey, you see, you turn to the right place for answers. You don't have to go to your buddy, pick up the phone and call your buddy to find the answers. Jesus Christ has the answers for the things we face. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture here today, this morning, where, where a lady came to the tomb of Jesus Christ, Mary. Mary and the other Mary came to the tomb. And when they got to the tomb, things were different than it was just two, three days before. And look at Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. Look, if you would, please, in verse number one. This is a parallel passage to the other gospels. John, John, the book of John that we just read a few minutes ago dealt with this same, this same thing. Mark chapter number 16 has the same parallel passage. Luke chapter 24 has the same parallel passage. We're using the Matthew passage. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 1. The Word of God says this. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel said unto 
uh, answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. I look at this passage of scripture and the Bible says he is not here. He is risen. Boy, what great words. Could you put yourselves in the place of Mary and the other Mary? I, I loved, I've worked with teenagers all my life, and I love to paint the picture of not just reading the Bible as a textbook. So many people literally will read the Bible, okay, that's good, and, and it's, it's a good story. It's not just a story. These are events of things that literally took place. Put yourself in the story. Become for just a moment Mary. Three days earlier, the Savior, Jesus Christ, was hanging on a cross, bleeding and dying. And in those last words, Pastor, that you just mentioned, it is finished. And he took his last breath and he died. And there was Mary standing there at the foot of the cross, looking up and beholding Jesus, taking his last breath and dying. Boy, could you imagine the despondency that fell upon all those Christians that day? The one who they've been following for three and a half years. The one who they knew they felt was going to set up his kingdom. But now he's dead. They took his lifeless body off the cross. They prepared it for the burial. And they laid him in that empty tomb. My wife and I, November of 2019, had the privilege of going to the Holy Land, Pastor. And, and on my wife's birthday, we were able to visit Bethlehem. We saw the birthplace, they, they believe the birthplace of where Jesus was born. What an amazing thing we got to do. That same day we went to Golgotha. We saw the place he was born, we saw the place where he hung on the cross. The place of the skull. You literally can see the rock formation that looks like the face, a, a man's face. And then a few hundred yards away from that place, we saw a tomb. I don't know if it was the actual tomb that Jesus laid in. They believe it was. I was able to walk into that tomb and Jesus is gone. He's risen. He's no longer in the grave. And here's Mary coming to this tomb and she, she approaches this tomb and the earth shook and the stones rolled away. Put yourself in those. Could you imagine being there? Could, I, I, seeing the video as, as Mary dropped that pot of water. I think it may have been a little more dramatic than even that. And that was dramatic. Could, could you imagine the fear, the wonder, the amazement? And they go up and they see the, the angel there sitting on a stone. And, and they say, where, where is he? Where? And he said, I know who you're seeking. I know what you're here for. He's not here. He's risen. I, I praise God for the fact that my Savior is not dead. He's alive. The question bodes in, where is Jesus? If he's not here in the tomb, then where is he? And we can read throughout the rest of the passages to follow how Jesus appeared unto different people in the different places. But where is Jesus? And I've entitled the message this morning, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Today in the Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, 2021, where is Jesus? 
He's no longer in the tomb, so where is he today? And today I'm going to give you five different things of where Jesus is today in our lives. This is not just story time. This is Bible. Where is Jesus in our lives today? I put down five different things. Number one is this. Jesus is, he is at the right hand of the Father. When Jesus came up from that grave, Jesus went back to be seated at the right hand of the Father. I put that down as the authority of God, the authority Jesus has. By the way, we serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. It doesn't matter what laws are passed, Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter who your boss is at the, by the way, listen to him and do what he says. But it doesn't matter who your boss is at the, at the workplace. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still the king and he sits at the right hand of the Father in the word of God. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to flip over there. Romans chapter 8 verse number 34. The word of God says this. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Listen to this. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of of God. Jesus Christ is the right hand of God. We, we believe that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, the incarnate person of God. Jesus Christ took on flesh. He is God with us, Emmanuel. God with us. That's Jesus. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ is right now today seated at the right hand of God. He has all authority. Matthew chapter 28, right before the Great Commission. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's Jesus Christ. Hold, hold on. Listen, Jesus Christ is God. He's our authority. He's all power. And right now he's sitting at the right hand of God. You know what that means? God has control of every circumstance of my life. I, I already mentioned it. God knows what you're facing. God has never looked down here to this earth. <laughs> Get this. He's never looked down here at this earth and saw your circumstances of life and said, oh, how'd that happen? God's never done it. When God, I, I was able to go on a missions trip. I've been to, to Thailand four different times preaching a, a, a missions conference in Thailand. And uh, first time I went, it, it totally blew my mind. I, I preached through, we call them interrupters, but they call them interpreters. And uh, I preached through three different interpreters. I would say a statement, one man would interpret into another language, that man would interpret into another language, that man would interpret into another, three different interpreters. Talk about losing your train of thought. And that, that mess, a 15 minute message was an hour long. Be thankful we're not doing interpreters here this morning. But here I was preaching, the, the, my, my third time there to Thailand, the same place, same things going on. Everything was the same, same bed that I stayed in the times before. I went to bed the very first night I was there and woke up the next morning. The missionary, is, he was a former Marine. He's about five foot four both ways. I'm not talking about fat, I'm talking about muscle. He's like 56, 57 years old. He's like a rock. And uh, a little, little old dynamite stick kind of guy. And, uh, and, and I remember that first day I walked down to the, to the uh, breakfast area and they had devotions going on like at 4.30 in the morning. Can I just say, you can have devotions at 4.30 in the morning. You can have it more like at 8.30 or 9 in the morning. You still meet with God both times. I'm, I'm just saying. 
But at 4.30 in the morning, I got up and, and went down for devotions. And I got down there and I, I saw Brother Horn. I said, Brother Horn, I said, you put me in the room with the spiders. I got bit in the middle of the night, right, in, right by my ring and halfway up my middle finger and at the tip of my, my pointer finger. And I got bit right under my, my right eye. I said, you put me in the room with spiders. He said, Copeland, you're a sissy. Man up. Don't you complain. You just get, just, just don't let these kids hear you complaining. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, right back into shape. Got back from Thailand. The very first day I got back from Thailand, I got real bad sick. It was a Sunday morning. I preached to my couple's class there at church and was going into teen church the next hour and looked at my wife. I said, honey, you're going to have to preach. I can't do it. I'm just kidding. I didn't have her preach. I said, I, I'm too sick. I can't, I can't. I got to go home. I got home, I got worse. Next day I went to the doctor. The doctor ran all sorts of blood work and he came back and he said, you got malaria. I said, malaria? People die from malaria. He said, yeah. And he started putting me on some medicine, went through some treatments on that and, and uh, felt a whole lot better and, and then it came back on me again and almost died. Spent four or five days in ICU at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in downtown Nashville. Told, they told my wife, you're going to die. By the way, you can't get it from me unless you shake my hand. So otherwise, you're clear. Don't worry about I'm just kidding. You can't get it that way either. <laughs> so you're like, I'm never shaking his hand. I didn't order malaria. I got COVID four, three or four months ago, and it caused me a relapse in the malaria. I, I hate the stuff. Nothing I can do to control that. Hey, can I tell you, I'm not worried about it because it all... God, it's all gone through God. God has a plan. Nothing's caught God by surprise. No circumstance in life, no trial in life, no temptation. All of it has gone past the desk of God Almighty. And God Almighty has all authority in my life. Where is God? He's at the right hand of the Father. He's there in all authority, in all majesty. And every circumstance of your life, of my life, goes through the hand of God. And he allows it in our life just as he sees fit. I thank God. Where is God? Number one, he's at the right hand of the Father. Number two, where is God? Number two, God is making intercession for you and me. Same passage of scripture there in Romans I want you to see this. Romans, I'll, I'll read verse 34 again one more time. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, that that, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God. Listen to this. I didn't read the end of the verse before. Who, is all, who also maketh intercession for us. Back up in verse number 26, the Bible says this. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Listen, listen to what Paul says here. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. What is Paul saying in this passage of scripture? Have you ever been in a, in a point in your life where you really didn't even know how to pray? Have you ever been in such a spot in life where you thought, man, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to do. Where do I turn? How, how do I go through the next day of life? How do I make it through this trial? You ever been there? 
No, no, really, have you ever been there where you just felt like, I don't even know where to turn? That's where Jesus is right now for you and for me, making intercession for us. You say, what is that? You ever had someone say, hey, I'm praying for you? You know what the comfort that gives, that gives me? When someone says, hey, Kurt, I'm praying for you, man, what a great peace comes over. To know that someone cares enough about my life that they're willing to pray for me. Can I tell you one better? Jesus Christ. God Almighty in human flesh. Jesus is praying for you today. What an amazing thought. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me so much that right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ is praying for you and he's praying for me. He knows the needs that we... This is amazing. I don't know what's going to happen in my life tomorrow. Jesus does. He's already praying for me. I don't know what's going to take place uh, while I'm not not traveling in evangelism. I I do excavation work out on the big, you know, the little boys playing with the Tonka trucks. I get to drive those things. I'm having a blast with it. Second day on the job. I didn't tell you this, Pastor. Second day on the job, I was driving a skid steer. And long story short, I broke my nose inside the skid steer on the second day driving it. Hit a rut, threw me forward, smashed my face against the windshield, hit a metal bar. Second day, blood everywhere. You got to love it. Hey, I don't know what tomorrow holds in Kurt Copeland's life, but I've got a living Savior who right now is praying for me. You say, well, that's because you're the preacher. No, has nothing to do with being the preacher. You know what he's doing for you right now in your life? He's praying for you. I tell the teenagers all the time, I'd say, you know, you're so worried about who you're going to marry someday. You know, God already knows who you're going to marry. If you're a teenager in the room, God already knows who you're going to marry. He, you know, you're thinking right now, I wish he'd show me. That's what my daughter's saying right now. I wish he'd show me. You know what? He already knows. He's already working out the details in your life to get you where you're supposed to be. Where is God today? Mary comes to that tomb. Jesus is gone. Her natural question is, where's Jesus? Where is he? And today in 2021, you know where he's at? He's at the right hand of God. Number two, he's making intercession for you and me. Where's Jesus? Number three. Number three, I love this. Take your Bible and go over to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14 in the Word of God. Where's John? I'm I'm just the preacher. I'm going the wrong way. John chapter 14. The Bible says this. John chapter 14, verse number 16. I want you to see this and stay in John chapter 14 for just a minute. This, this is a great passage. John chapter 14, Jesus Christ speaking here. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, this is Jesus preaching. John chapter 14, verse number 16, Jesus speaking. He says this, he's, he's telling the disciples he's getting ready to go to heaven. But he says to them, I, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you a, another comforter. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Bible goes on and says this, 
Verse 18, and I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Jesus tells the disciples, tells the people here in this passage of Scripture, you, you know, I, I know that you're facing a lot in life. I know things are getting ready to change, but I'm going to be in you. I, I'm going to be in you forever. Jesus Christ, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three unique uh, individual personalities, but all one and the same. I, I don't comprehend it all, but I know it's true. Jesus Christ is God, and Jesus Christ is the Spirit, and Jesus Christ is in my heart. Number three, Jesus is in my heart. Boy, what great comfort. What great security we have. I, I know this. I know that if my life were to end today, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord as a Christian. If my life ended today, I'm going to wake up in heaven. I, I, I am a, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I wasn't born a Christian. No one's born a Christian. You didn't come out, out of the, your mother's womb as a Christian. There came a time in my life where I had to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. It was January 11th, 1982 at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Mattoon, Illinois. I'm a Yankee by birth, just so you know. Then uh, got Tennessee pretty quick, but I was a Yankee by birth. I, I lived in, born in Pekin, Illinois, and we lived in Mattoon, Illinois. Uh, Mattoon is a city about two hours south of Pekin, south central Illinois. My parents owned a roller skating rink. Uh, the Rhythm and Roll Skate Center was the name of it. From age five to age 14, I literally lived inside the roller skating rink. Our house was part of it. I've got three older brothers, and we were out in the parking lot playing baseball. Uh, one Saturday afternoon in between roller skating sessions. We were out there playing baseball and a car pulled in the parking lot and it was a man, a man got out of the car and he, he walked up to us and said, hey, hey boys, uh, I, I'm a pastor of a church and we drive a bus by here. Would y'all like to go to church with us? And we were like, ah, you know, I don't know. And he said, we'll give you gum and candy. You can go with us. And we're like, sign us up. We're there. Give us a little sugar. We're on the bus. And Sure enough, that next Sunday, we jumped on the bus and got that bubble gum and candy and, and went on to church. It was a Wednesday night, January the 11th, 1982. I, I was 10 years old. I, I'll save you the math. I'm 50 now. I was sitting there in that third row back, sitting right in front of where you're sitting, sir. And as I was sitting there, I, I remember the pastor preaching that Wednesday night. I don't remember a word he said. Probably not going to be much different than this morning after I finished preaching either. But, but I, th that night I was sitting there and the whole time he was preaching, all I could think about was this. If I die tonight, I'm going to spend eternity in a place called hell. I was a 10-year-old boy and I'm telling you that thought gripped my life. I was scared to death that I was going to spend eternity in a place called hell. And the preacher preached that night, and, and it was just a small church. There were about 14 or 15 people total pastor in that whole auditorium that night. And, and seven of them had the same last name as the pastor. Eight in the family. Pastor Amstutz and his family. That tells you how big the church was. And I was, I was, my brothers weren't there. My parents weren't there. I was sitting there in that church service on that Wednesday night, and the pastor preached. And all I could think about sitting in my, seat, my pew was the fact that I'm going to spend eternity in a place called hell. I don't want to die and go to hell. As a 10-year-old boy, you can imagine the fear that I had. The pastor preached that Wednesday night. And after he preached, he stepped down off the pulpit and he stood right here in the front of the auditorium like I'm standing today. And he said this. By the way, he never gave an invitation 
a, a call to action at the end of the service. He never did that on a Wednesday night because it was just his family there. You know, he could have preached like, obey your parents, and you know, all of his children would have come to the altar. You know? But it, it was never an invitation on Wednesday nights. But this Wednesday night, he stepped down in front of the pulpit, and he said, folks, I don't, under, I don't understand this. I don't know why. But tonight, I feel like I need to give an invitation. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit of God popped me in the back of the head and said, Copeland, this is for you. This is your time. And I stepped out of that, that seat when he gave that invitation, tears coming down both cheeks. By the way, I was the brat of the church. I got called down in every service. I'd be talking or messing around, and he'd call, Copeland, pay attention, stop talking. I, that was me. I came out, tears coming. He must have thought, finally, this kid's going to get right. He stuck his hand out and shook my hand. He said, Kurt, what'd you come forward for? I said, Pastor, I don't want to die and go to hell. Pastor Rodell, I know you've been preaching longer than I have. And you've studied the Bible. You're a whole lot smarter than I am, so you, you'd know better answer this. I've, I've studied the Bible a while. I've never found a bad reason to get saved. I got saved because I didn't want to die and go to hell. Where's Jesus? Right here. Today in 2021, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us. And as a Christian, as a believer, he's in my heart. He's in my life. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As a 10-year-old boy, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to get me to heaven. I didn't join the church. I didn't get dunked in the baptistry. None of that stuff. I didn't have any money to give in the offering plate. I simply put my trust in Jesus Christ as my only way to heaven. And Jesus saved me. You say, well, it's because you're a preacher. It has nothing to do. I wasn't a preacher at 10. My, my mom called me a brat. Today she calls me Reverend Brat. I've got a great reputation. And you guys have me here preaching. It's, it's y'all's fault, not mine. The truth is, Man, none of us deserve heaven. We're all sinners. J. Vernon McGee is one of my favorite men to study after. I, I love reading after J. Vernon McGee. He used to say this. I read it in his book, and I heard him on, on the radio say this. He said, if you knew what kind of sinner I was, you wouldn't waste your time listening to me preach. But before you get up and walk out, if I knew what kind of sinner you were, I wouldn't waste my time preaching to you. You know what? We're all sinners. And all left to ourselves, we have no hope. Can I say it one more time? All left to ourselves. We have no hope. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians 2. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't have money to buy my way to heaven. I don't have the ability to get myself to heaven. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I can't. You know, the, the truth is, we're all sinners. Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. And I'm on my way to heaven tonight because as a 10-year-old boy, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's in my heart. Where's Jesus? Where is he in 2021? Is he still in the tomb? No! He's at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us. He's in my heart. And I love this, John chapter number 14. Look on back just a few verses. John chapter 14, verse number one. Number four, Jesus is preparing a place for us. 
He's got our future in control. Oh, I love this. Look at John chapter 14, verse number one. The Bible says this, let not your heart be troubled. He says, don't worry, don't fret. Don't, don't let yourself become stressed over life. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And he goes on and says, and whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas, the very next verse, verse number five, that, that, that disciple that kept wondering and doubting and asking questions. By the way, it's not wrong to ask questions. Always submit your will to Christ, but it's not wrong to ask questions. And here Thomas says, Lord, he says, he said unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going, Jesus, and, and if we don't know where you're going, how can we get there? And Jesus gives in verse number six, that verse that we probably all know, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Where is Jesus today? Jesus is in heaven today, and he is building a place for you and I as Christians. The Bible calls it a mansion. Well, I can't wait to see my mansion. I can't wait to, to see those pearly gates open up and, and Jesus to say, come on in, Kurt. This is home. And I get to walk in on those streets of gold and see that crystal river and the tree of life and, and see the splendor and wonder of heaven. But I'm going to see, I believe this all my heart, I'm going to see that mansion there with my name on the door plate. It's going to say Kurt Copeland. I got three brothers. By the way, all my brothers have girls' names. There's Carrie, Kelly, and Corey. I'm not making that up. That's their real names. And uh, so I give them a hard time. My name's Kurt. I'm the only man in the family. And uh, I give them a hard time. They beat me up, but I give them a hard time. I, I, I walk in that, in the, through those uh, uh, pearly gates on the streets of gold. Guess what? My mansion's there in heaven. I believe it's that. I believe on January 11th, 1982, as a 10-year-old boy, when I put my trust in Jesus, that Jesus looked at Michael and Gabriel, those archangels, and said, hey, hey, guys, Copeland just got saved. Start building his mansion. And there's a mansion waiting for me in heaven. Where's Jesus today? He's preparing a place for you and I as his children. The day you, the precious in the sight of the Lord is the death, death of his saints. The Bible says to be absent of the bodies, be present with the Lord. When I take my last breath, I'm going to wake up in glory. I, told, I tell my wife this all the time. I said, honey, I, I've prepared my own funeral. It's kind of eerie. My daughters, I put it on my phone, and my daughters, we all share every, like, I get a text, my wife gets my text, and my daughters, they don't get it anymore, they used to, but all the notes, I put in my notes, my, my funeral, songs I want to have, and things I want to have. My daughters looked and said, Dad, you're weird. That's, that's sick, Dad. You shouldn't do that. My wife's crying, you know, but I did it all, and I, one of the things I put in there is, I want, I want the mortician to stitch my mouth with a smile. I don't know if it's even possible. I've done a lot of funerals. I haven't even talked to them. I'm going to find out if they can. And stitch, it probably look weird, but I want them to do it. And you say, why? Because I, I want people to know I'm not sad. I'm happy. I'm in heaven. I'm walking the streets of gold. Plus, when you see someone smile all the time, in your mind, you're thinking, what are they smiling about? 
what's going on. And I want to do that. Everyone walks by. I also told my wife I want to put my arm up. If I'm laying in the, in the casket, I want my arm up. So that as, as they walk by, people would give me a high five as they go by. Why? Because why? I'm in heaven. Don't weep for me. I'll be kicking up some gold dust, running the streets of gold, enjoying the splendor of heaven, seeing my risen Savior face, beholding the nail prints in his hands and feet, seeing the spear pierced side, seeing the nail thorn prints in his head. I'll be seeing my Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. Oh, don't weep for me. Where's Jesus? He's preparing a place. He's preparing a place. He's preparing a place. Lastly, number five. Where's Jesus? Revelation chapter three. Matter of fact, let's let's look at Revelation chapter number three real quick. Revelation chapter number three. You'd think I'd have these memorized or mark my spots. I didn't. Revelation chapter number three. Look if you would please. Verse number 20. The Bible says this, Jesus Christ again speaking. Verse number 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Where's Jesus today? He's knocking on your heart's door. Jesus in, in heaven right now, looking down at you. The Bible says in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus Christ does not want to see any one person ever die and go to a place called hell. As a matter of fact, he didn't even prepare hell for people. Jesus Christ, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for you and me. God doesn't want to see anyone die and go to a place called hell. He wants everyone saved. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. His whole purpose for coming to the earth was this, to seek and to save that which was lost. And today, Jesus Christ is knocking on our heart's door saying, hey, open up. I just want to save you. John chapter 3, verse number 16. I'm sure you know the verse. For God so loved, put your name there. Make the Bible practical to you. For God so loved Kurt Copeland that he gave his only begotten son that if Kurt Copeland believed on him, he should not perish but have everlasting. Put your name there. You see, Jesus Christ loves you so much that he came to this old sin-cursed earth, lived those 33 and a half years, and became our sacrifice. It doesn't mean a whole lot to us in our society, but you go back in your Bible and you study the Old Testament sacrificial system, every Jewish person knew exactly what that sacrifice was all about. And Jesus Christ became our sacrifice. He paid my debt. He paid your debt. Our sin debt. Why? So that someday you could spend eternity in a place called heaven with, with God. Say, that all sounds like pie in the sky. It's reality. It's the word of God. It's our only source of truth. You sit here today, this may be your first time at Open Bible. 
You may have been here since, since nine months before you were born. Either case, Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He was placed in that tomb. But three days later, up from the grave he arose. What does that mean to us? He is God. He's authority. And today, he has his arms open wide to you. Revelation 3, he's knocking on your heart's door. Hey, how, how can I get to heaven? How can I get there? And as a, th- as a 10-year-old boy, sitting on the third row back, I walked out and I said, I want to know I'm going to heaven. And that night I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Hey, today, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, you're already on your way to heaven. Hey, can I tell you? I don't know what circumstance of life you're facing. You may have gotten a bad doctor's report. There may be a bad job going on right now. Work may be unsettled. Finances may be awry. Who knows what the future holds? You may have some domestic issues. Hey, my parents got a divorce. Can I tell you one of the hardest things I ever faced? I was 21 years old when they went through the divorce. I was a youth pastor. Came home. The first month I was home, I found out my dad was having an affair. Talk about feeling like your life was ripped apart. Hey, I stand before you. I don't know what circumstances of life you're facing. But you serve a risen Savior who loves you. Who gives his all for you. Trust him. You may be here today and you say, Brother Kurt, the truth is, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. You may be like I was as that 10-year-old boy. Thinking, I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I know I don't want to die and go to hell. I'm scared to death about that. Hey, listen to me. There's hope. Jesus died for you. And today, Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. Saying, hey, whosoever will. Whosoever will. Open your heart's door. Trust him today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around for just a moment. Truth is, I don't know what you're facing today. There's no way for me to know. Circumstances of life sometimes, honestly, circumstances of life sometimes stink, don't they? You didn't ask for the trouble you face. You didn't ask for the trial. God knows where you're at. God knows what's going on. We serve a risen Savior. Mary came to that tomb. Where is he? He's gone. He's not here. The angel said he's not here. He's risen. Where's Jesus today? To the right hand of the Father. Make an intercession for us. He's in our heart as a Christian. He's preparing a place for us. And listen, folks. He's knocking on your heart's door. Soon, very soon, he's coming back. Hey, if you're here today and you say, Brother Kurt, I'm a Christian. But to be honest with you, man, sometimes life, life's throwing me some curveballs right now. And there's some things in life I really don't like. Some things that stink right now. And man, I'm just suffering. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, not going to have you respond in any way. But I just want you to know this. You serve a risen Savior. He's no longer in the tomb. He knows what you're facing. Hey, can I challenge you? Keep trusting Him. 
keep turning to him. This morning, we'll dismiss here in just a moment. We'll close in a word of prayer. When I pray to close, would you just right there, even in your seat, would you pray quietly in your heart and tell God this morning, God, I'm thankful you're my risen Savior. Help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Kurt, the truth is, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. If my life ended right now, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. But I know this. I know I don't want to die and go to that place called hell. And there's no one looking around. I I would never embarrass anybody. That's not me. I wouldn't do that. But I want you to know I'm praying for you. God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus loves you. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're a child, whether you're a middle-aged, or whether you're a senior citizen, middle uh, adult, it, it makes no, no difference what stage of life you're in. Jesus loves you. And he died, was buried, and he rose again to provide a way for you to go to heaven. You can trust him today. You're not joining a church. You're not getting dunked in a baptistry. You're you're not having to put money in an offering plate. You're putting your trust in Jesus. You say, Brother Kurt, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can trust Jesus right there in your seat today. You can trust him. There's a simple prayer that we use. The prayer is not the words of the prayer is not what saves you. But you say, Brother Kurt, I want to trust Jesus. I just don't know how. There's a prayer you can pray something like this. You can just repeat it after me if you'd like, right there in your seat, quietly in your heart. The prayer is this, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve your punishment. But you died on the cross for me. You were buried and you rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I'm trusting you today as best I know how. If you're here today and you say, Brother Kurt, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. I've never, as far as I know, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've doubted it, but I, I prayed it today and I meant it. And, and I, I don't want to be embarrassed. I, want, I don't want anyone to call my name out. And I promise you, I'll not embarrass you. I'll not call your name out. I will in no way point out anybody. I promise you. But I'd love to rejoice with you. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer and you asked Jesus to save you this morning, would you just let me know that by simply just raising your hand and putting it right back down? Brother Kurt, I prayed that prayer today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's three, four hands going up. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Brother Kurt, I, I, I pray, God bless you. Way back in the back. God bless you. I see that hand. You can put it down. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody, I, I, I rejoice with you. I won't embarrass you. Anybody else? I prayed that prayer today. I asked Jesus to save me. God bless you. Can I share with you one verse? As a matter of fact, will you look right here at me for just a second? I'll share with you one verse. You can all look right here. I'll share with you one verse and I'll pray and I'll get out of the way and Brother Rich will take over. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five. The word of God says this, be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, God hath said, I will never 
leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, folks, you have a friend in Jesus, the risen Savior, who will never leave you. He'll never, friends will forsake you, forsake you, family will forsake you. Sometimes church friends leave you. But there's a Savior, Jesus Christ, who will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. Let's pray together. And Brother Rich, you come. Let's pray. Lord, I love you this morning. I am so grateful for your word. God, we serve you as a risen Savior. Mary came to that tomb that day and the tomb was empty. And that angel said, you're risen. I can only imagine Mary saying, where is he? Where is he gone? And today, God, we ask the same question. So God, would you help us to turn to that only source of truth, the Bible, and find the answers to where is Jesus? And God, I thank you this morning that you love us. God, I thank you for those that raised their hands just a few moments ago, some six or seven. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, would you help them today to get assurance of that salvation? Help them to understand. Maybe they'd want to talk to one of us. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to do just that. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. And in all of our circumstances of life, Lord, help us to always look to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.